just uh, am excited to have Casimir. You may be seated. I was thinking about, been about 40 years ago, I just I had this picture of Casimir in the congregation at Christian Community Church. He was going to, stand, going to San Jose State, you know, and just had plans to really just be here in America. And uh, Ernest Chantiel challenged him, why don't you go back to your country and serve God? And Casimir has done that. He's like an apostle over there. Uh, churches and starting a new church every year with a outreach and medical outreach having the hospital having a church he's just an incredible man he works like 24 7 and uh just glad that he can speak to us you know we've supported him probably for almost 20 years but the church christian community were sent him out supported him all that time and so there's such deep uh, history we have with Kashmir, and you know every time he comes he imparts something to us so Kashmir, let us have it thank you thank you <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's been an, uh, a wonderful service. We've really enjoyed the Lord, the uh, worship team, incredible, great. You know, it's getting better every day. Every time I come here, it's been great. I just want to appreciate the church for these many years that you've stood behind the work in Nigeria, been praying. And they've been always there. When we cry out, you are there. When we, we praise, you are there. And uh, the Lord is used you to really accomplish a lot of great things that is happening in our country. I just want to thank you this morning that uh, you're a, a great group of people. This church is, means a lot to us. In fact, what we're doing in Nigeria will not be exactly what it should be if it wasn't for this church. So I want to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for everything that you've done all these years. Every year I come, I try to make sure a Sunday is allocated to this church so that I could be here to just stand before you and appreciate you for what you've done. It's, it's very rare to find a church that has been so faithful and you've stood, stood with us through the, thing, uh, through the whole situation my family, my situation, the work in Nigeria, you've always been there. I want to say thank you, a big thank you. And I bring greetings from the, from the congregation in Nigeria. I came with my son, Jason. Uh, he's uh, just finished his high school and uh, <laughs> like to find a school in the United States. Who, like I studied here, he would like to get the same quality education that has always helped me through life. Thank you so much. This morning, i like to speak from the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is not a regular place where all people, preachers visit. But uh, I like to go to the book of Habakkuk this morning. And I pray that the Lord will minister to each and every one of us through this passage. Habakkuk chapter 3. I want to read from verses 17. To 18. Habakkuk chapter 3. Many of you know the book of Habakkuk is just after Nahum and uh, before Zephaniah. Habakkuk chapter 3 verses 17 to 18 says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, Though the labor of the olive may fail, 
and the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. That's the place the Lord laid in my heart for this message this morning. I like to speak on the subject, the topic I call, when it doesn't make sense. When it doesn't make sense. If you read the book of Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 to 18, the question I will ask you when you read it is, have you ever been there? Have you been there? Let me read it again. It says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. Though the labor of the olive shall fail, the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Have you ever been in a situation like the prophet Habakkuk was? If you haven't been there yet, you will be. If you haven't been there yet, just keep on living. You will come there. The truth is, life comes with problems built in. So, you might as well understand this this morning. Because life comes with problems built in. You have a very ve many vehicles you are, that are sold in this country. Some of them are called, you have, it is, every options are there. All the options are there. They are loaded. Life comes with loaded. <laughs> Everything is inbuilt. You are not going to get through this life without trouble. You're not going to get through life without hardships. You're not going to get through life without pain, without getting your heart broken at least once or twice. Without being lied on. Without being persecuted and despised. It's not possible. You cannot get through life without those things. Then, throw in some betrayal and deception into the pot. Because that's life. All you have to do is look in the Bible and you will see what I'm talking about this morning. David was a great man of God, a great king of Israel, a worshiper. But that did not exempt, exempt David from pain. It did not exempt him from pain. Then look at Job. The Bible said he was a righteous man. But he endured more grief and pain than would seem humanly possible. 
And I could go on and on and mention a lot of examples from the scriptures. But I believe the point is clear. Sometimes life hurts. Sometimes you are in the pit. And sometimes you are in the fire. And sometimes you are on the mountain calling fire down from heaven. And sometimes you are in the cave hoping that Jezebel doesn't find you. That's the way life is. There are just some things that happen to us, all of us, just because we are in the world. Then there are things that are demonic in nature, attacks that come straight out of hell. The Bible says, your adversary, the devil, goeth about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And John chapter 10, verse 10, adds to it, said that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I said all this to get to this point this morning. I said all this to, get to, to highlight this point this morning. And what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is this. There will be times in your life when praise doesn't make sense. There will be times in your life when worship does not make sense. When we talk about making sense of something, what I mean is that it is understandable. And that it is agreeable to what is before us. Or it is logical and it is reasonable. That's what it means to make sense. But this man of God was doing something that just doesn't make sense. Habakkuk was doing something that does not make sense. He was standing in the midst of chaos. He was standing in the midst of loss. In the midst of emptiness. He was actually in the midst of confusion and disappointment. And he did, he did something that, in the midst of all this, he did something that sent shock waves through hell and applause through heaven. What was it that he did? He said, in the midst of this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Basically, what he said was, I have decided. I'm not going to praise my God. Even when, I'm not going to stop praising my God even when things are bad. I have decided I'm going to praise my God even when it doesn't make sense. That's what Habakkuk was saying here. He was saying, I may be going through a season of sickness. I may be grieving over the loss of a loved one. Or I may be walking through the fire of divorce or family turmoil. I may be crying myself to sleep at night over my prodigal sons and daughters. There may be threatening foreclosure on my house. The repo depot just towed my car away. 
My company says they are downsizing and I might have to be let go. Well, man of God, woman of God, what are you going to do in the midst of all this? What are you going to do? And that's a good question. What are you going to do? I tell you what I am not going to do. I will tell you this morning what I am not going to do, but I don't know what you are going to do. I'm not going to let my feelings and my emotions take over. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to go into deep depression. I'm not going to run to the refrigerator and dry down my sorrow in food. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to overdose on prescription meds. I'm not going to get angry at God and accuse him of not loving me and not caring for me. I'm not going to do all that. I'm going to do what David did. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I will encourage myself in the Lord. Then I'm going to get my praise on. I'm going to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I'm going to open my mouth and praise God. I'm going to give him the praise that is due his name. The word of God says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Let me tell you this morning, God never promised us a problem-free life. He never did. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2, says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, Thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Psalm 34 verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them out of them all. I'm going to stop right here and tell you that the church is filled with the people I call pretty praisers. Pretty praisers. Who are they? The people that will praise God when everything is pretty. When the weather is nice. When the bills are paid. When all the children are saved. When their body feels good. And when they got some money in the bank. They are quick to give God that nice pretty praise. When everything is going right. Their face never gets scrunched. Their face never gets scrunched up. Their makeup never runs. They don't cry. They don't ever get their clothes out of socks. 
their wig never gets twisted. They wouldn't jump or shout or dance if the building was on fire. But I'm going to tell you something that might surprise you this morning. God would rather have your ugly praise than your pretty praise. God would rather have your ugly praise than your pretty praise. It doesn't take any confidence. And it doesn't take any faith in God. And it doesn't take any effort to praise God when everything is going great in your life. It doesn't take much to praise God. When everything fits into its logical pigeonholes, it doesn't take much to praise God. Oh yes, I, I, I'm not discrediting that. We definitely should praise God during those times when things are good. We should. But what really gets the attention of heaven and paralyzes hell is that your ugly praise. The, that praise that doesn't make sense is what gets the attention of God. That praise when your face is all scrunched up, that gets the attention of God. That praise that is heard very hard to tell if it's a praise or a moan. That praise that runs down your face. That praise that you had to reach down deep to get it out. That praise that is aggressive, is ugly, it ain't pretty. That is the praise that gets his attention. In fact, the dictionary defines ugly as very unattractive. Unpleasant to look at. Offensive to sense of beauty. Displeasing in appearance, messy and objectionable. That's the definition from the, from the dictionary. Pretty praisers get uncomfortable around ugly praisers. Are you aware of that? Because <laughs> ugly praisers aren't worried about winning a beauty contest. They are, they are just trying to hang on to their sanity. Things are pretty bad, but they are trying to serve God and praise him. The pretty praisers have a problem with real praise because real praise might get loud. Real praise might get ugly. God said to tell you this morning, I came all the way from Nigeria to tell, say this to you. It's time to quit worrying about trying to pretty up. And just give it up. I'm going to tell you personally, I have been in some ugly situations. And I have to tell you the truth. There wasn't a pretty praise anywhere around me. All my praise was ugly. It was ugly praise. But God loves your ugly praise. Give him your ugly praise. Let me introduce you to a couple of ugly praises in the Bible. First, there was Job. 
Job chapter 1, verse 1, Job was a perfect and upright one that feared God and eschewed evil. The Bible says that he was a righteous man. Then we see in Job chapter 1, verses 13 to 22, Job, in 10 verses, lost everything. In 10 verses, everything was gone. The Sabians took his oxen and asses and killed all his servants there but one, left one. Then fire fell from sky and burnt up his sheep and all the servants there and left one. The Chaldeans took his camels and slew his servants except one. Then all his sons and daughters were at the older, eldest brother's house. And a great wind smote the house, and all his children were killed. All of these news hit Job's life in a matter of ten verses. In ten verses, everything was gone. What did Job do? He gave God some ugly praise. He rose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, and worshipped Jehovah God. Let's look at another ugly praiser in the scriptures. It's mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 to 7. David and his men had returned from a military campaign and found their city, Ziklag, burnt with fire. Their wives, their sons, and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and his people that were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And then he says, David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. This is where David gave God an ugly praise. They had to be weeping and crying until they had no more power to weep. No doubt David was physically exhausted. He didn't look like a great warrior or a great worshiper. His eyes were most likely swollen and bloodshot because he has been in a, a difficult situation. But what did he do? What he did next turned everything around. Right there in the middle of that pain, he gave God a praise that doesn't make any sense. He gave God an ugly praise. And God gave him a supernatural turnaround. He recovered every single thing that the devil has stolen from him. That was a reset. When the word that came this morning through Pastor Dory, that God wants to do a reset. When we gave, he gave God the, that ugly praise. 
the Bible said God pressed a reset button and he recovered every single thing the devil had stolen from him. Glory to God. I say glory to God. I'm starting to feel an ugly, ugly praise anointing in this house right now. I feel like somebody in this house, I feel there is a, some one ugly praise away from a miracle. One ugly praise away from a miracle. I feel like somebody in this house is at the brink of a miracle. You are just one ugly praise away from it. One ugly praise away from a supernatural breakthrough, a turnaround. One ugly praise away from your prodigals coming home. One ugly praise away from turning that lack into abundance. One ugly praise away from a brand new anointing. The law is saying that there is one ugly praise away from a healing that has been a long time coming. One ugly praise away. Let me introduce you to two ugly praises. You may know them better as Paul and Silas. We find them in Acts chapter 16. They are busy working for the master. When a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination began to follow them around and saying, Oh, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us unto the way of salvation. This she did many days, but Paul, being grieved, the Bible said, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her the same hour. When her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, what did they do? They caught Paul and Silas and began to accuse them of being troublemakers. Began to accuse them of teaching customs which are not lawful to receive or observe. Well, as a result of this, the multitude rose up against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates rent off their, their clothes and beat them and laid many stripes upon them and then thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Then we see two ugly prisoners there in the darkness. At midnight, humiliated, backs beaten blue and black. Their clothes ripped off. And the Bible says, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. They gave God an ugly praise, a praise that doesn't make sense. A praise that doesn't make sense. Right there in the midst of the darkness and the pain, when most people would have been crying and moaning and groaning, when most people would have been complaining and deciding whether the ministry was worth it, right there, they gave God an ugly praise. Through the humiliation, 
through the tears and fears, through the pain, beating black and blue, they might not have passed. These people might not have passed the qualification for the church choir. But there was something about that ugly praise that God liked. In Acts chapter 16, verse 26, and suddenly the Bible says there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened. And every hands or every bands were loosed. I want to prophesy right now that every door where you are locked in will be opened today in the name of Jesus. Whatever is holding you captive, when you do the ugly praise and release the testimony to heaven, whether good or bad, there will be a reset in your life in the name of Jesus. I believe God is doing something. And as soon as the foundations were shaken, immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands, handcuffed, were loose. And the jailer and his whole family got born into the kingdom of God that night. Because of two men who were not ashamed to give God an ugly praise. Who were not ashamed to give God the praise that God deserved. They praised God when it didn't make sense. We've already met him once in scripture during this message, but let's look at him one more time. His name is David. He's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, and he began to be overwhelmed with thanksgiving. He starts to dance and rejoice. He starts whirling around, and, uh, and the Bible said he danced right out of his kingly apparel. Then let's look at what happens when ugly praise shows up. Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovered himself. And David could have said, if he was living in America, if David was a resident of America or a citizen of the U.S. living here, David would have said, you are right, honey. That was a shameful thing for me to do. And certainly was no way for a king to act. I should have composed myself. I should have behaved myself better. I'm sorry that I embarrassed you, honey. I will not do that again. I said he could have said that, but he didn't. In verse 21 to 22, the Bible said, And David said unto Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play before the Lord. I will yet be more vile than this. I will be based in my own right, in my own sight, and of the maid servants that thou hast spoken of. Of them shall I be held in honor. 
This is Bible speaking, but let me paraphrase for just a minute. What David said was, I wasn't dancing for you. And I wasn't dancing for the servants or the handmaidens. But I was dancing before the Lord who chose me and made me king. And then David said, if you thought that praise was over the top, if that was offensive and distasteful to you, if you thought my last praise was ugly, you ain't seen anything yet. I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't really understand it all. But I know it's true. There is something powerful in, a, in an ugly praise. God responded to Paul and Silas in their ugly praise and shook the gel off his foundation. God responded to Job, his ugly praise, and gave him back double everything he had lost. God responded to David's ugly praise and recovered everything the enemy had stolen. And after three days and three nights in a well motel, Jonah gave God an ugly praise. Sitting in a well's belly, covered in, in seaweed, here is what Jonah said in Jonah chapter 2 verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that, that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Verse 10 said, and the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. What am I saying? I'm saying when Jonah gave God an ugly praise that doesn't make sense, God told the well to spit him out. When ugly praise filled that well's belly, it made him sick. <laughs> and he spit Jonah out. He didn't come out pretty. Jonah did not come out pretty. He came out ugly. Because, but the issue is that he came out. I just believe if you would give God an ugly praise today, this morning, something will happen. I believe something will shift. And something will break. And something will spit you out. Because God is here to do a new thing. The prophetic word that came this morning is not just a random thing. God fixed that prophetic word just at this moment. There will be a reset in this congregation, in this church. But we need to start giving him ugly praise. Praising him. Irrespective of what you're going through. It doesn't matter where you are and what you are experiencing. It doesn't matter the pain and the discomfort. It doesn't matter the issues that is rocking your life right now. 
begin to give him praise. Because you are at the brink of something big. You are at the brink of the, the dawn of a new day for this house. You are at the brink of God breaking through to do what he's promised all these years in this house. It's not only for this congregation, it's for also for your personal life and family. We serve a God that is faithful. The devil cannot win this battle. The victory has already been won a long time ago. All you and I have to do is claim it and stand on it. We serve a faithful God. I want us this morning to rise on our feet and begin to give him glory. Begin to praise him. Begin to appreciate him. Begin to thank him. Because we are not serving a God that lies. Every man remains a liar, but God remains the truth. Because he will give us what he promised he will give us. I have no doubt in whom we believe. The Bible said he will stand for us at a later day. And that later day is now. And I want you to begin to raise your hands towards heaven right now and say, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. My situation is not going to change anything. It is your presence that will turn things around. Begin to declare that you are emancipated, that you are going to be released from whatever is holding you bound. The captivity days are over. The time of the morning is here. God is going to do something for you. He said, weeping endures for the night. But joy comes in the morning. I declare your morning this moment. I declare the time of glorious day is here for your family, for your career, for your ministry, and for your life. Father, you sent me all the way from Nigeria. I declare your word upon this congregation. I declare victory. I declare testimony. I declare a reset upon this whole house. You are going to begin a new thing. And we will see it. We will experience it. And we will be part of it. May your name be glorified. Yes. For we declare in Jesus' name. Jesus. And the congregation say, Amen. Amen. Amen.